On this episode of Kiwi Tripsters, we transport you to the epic wilderness and natural majesty of Fiordland, Milford Sound, Doubtful Sound, Lake Tiano, and some of the indelible outdoorsy experiences waiting for you in this most spectacular southern kingdom. Welcome back to Kiwi Tripsters. Buckle up and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Chris Lynch. Welcome aboard, everybody, to Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Chris Lynch. I'm Mike Yardley. Good to have you aboard, Chris. Good to see you, Mike. We're heading to the deep south of New Zealand to the World Heritage Wonders of Fiordland. Now, this region got hammered with that horrendous storm earlier this year. It really stuffed up some of the roads and, and, and the infrastructure for the trucks. Now, what's the situation? It's all back up and running, isn't it? They're getting there. Um, the Milford Road Highway is back open. That was obviously the priority. Yeah. Although there are still some stop-go delays uh, as you get closer to the Milford Sound end of the highway. Uh, there are some major engineering projects that have been carried out, some, some still to be completed. But, yeah, that storm back in February, they had over a metre of rain saturating for Yordland in just two and a half days, a metre in two and a half days. Um, so, yeah, you'll see a lot of the, the changes to the roadway. They've built a lot of rock armoury sections where rivers sort of invaded the road. It's actually similar to some of those retaining walls you see around the Kaikoura Coast now. Yeah, um, and the work uh, still has a fair way to go. The lower Hollyford Road and the access to the Hollyford Track, that is scheduled to reopen by Christmas. The work site on the lower Hollyford Road was a hive of activity when I went um, past it uh, in early November. But yeah, thankfully the Milford Track and the Rootburn Track, two of our great walks, they have reopened to hikers after some serious restoration work to the tracks. Let's start with one of New Zealand's greatest day trips, the Milford Road Highway. How long does it take you to go down there, or the trip for at least from uh, Tiana? It's about two hours each way, Chris, to and from Milford Sound from Tiano, but it's absolutely one of New Zealand's most ravishing drives. The distance is 120k. Um, it's it is bearable, and the really good thing about it is there are so many side dishes along the way, so you've got this stirring medley of natural beauty and roadside temptations um, scattered along the way between Tiano and Milford. So be an early bird, and you will be rewarded handsomely if you set off you know, early in the day, because as much as the journey itself is a signature experience, when you get to Milford Sound, you want to get there before the hordes of day trippers from Queenstown and all of the the coachloads of people descend on the place. So leave Tiano early and, and beat the band as such to Milford Sound. It's probably worth it too. Let's look at the highlights to get to Milford Sound. I mean, where do you start? Well, about 30 minutes from Tiano, the first highlight for me, I think, is the vast Swiss-like alpine meadow expanse of the Eglinton Valley. I absolutely adore this valley. It uh, was once filled with glacier ice. It's a really steep-sided valley floor 
absolutely ablaze in a thick carpet of golden tussock. And at this time of year, it's also touched up with a blaze of Russell Lupin. So, so Ooh, much colour on the nice. landscape. You'll go crazy with your Insta because of its cinematic good looks. And um, several areas of the valley were used to create the Misty Mountains in The Lord of the Rings. So if you recognise it from the movies, that is probably why, Chris. And the Mirror Lakes. I the, mean, oh, just amazing. Absolutely. And once again, it's just a really short side trip from the highway. It's a five-minute stroll from the highway to the Mirror Lakes. Once again, really good to see you early in the morning before the birds and the ducks mess yeah. up the water. Like when it's really still like a mill pond, it just has the most incredible reflective quality of the Earl Mountains that back onto this very inky blue uh, series of lakes. Just really small lakes. They're probably more like ponds than lakes, to be honest. And then the next stretch of highway after you've taken in Mirror Lakes They've nicknamed the highway the Avenue of the Disappearing Mountain. And it's one of those fabulous optical illusions. So as you drive on the highway past Mirror Lakes, there's this tall snowy peak directly ahead of you, which seems to shrink the further you get closer to it, which seems very Irish. But trust (laughs) me, put it to the test and I'm sure you will notice it. I'll give it a go. It's like when you're driving your car on a street in Littleton in Christchurch and you, do you know about this? Yes. And you think you're going to go downhill, but then the car starts to go up the hill backwards, but it's an optical illusion. Indeed. More on that on, on another episode. <laughs> what about Lake Gunn? Yeah, absolutely worth a breather at Lake Gunn. A really nice 45-minute loop nature walk. So you'll get a really good mix of bird life and red beach forest. If you love your lupins... The southern end of Lake Gunn uh, will take you to Lupin Overload. They've got this massive cluster of lupins at Cascade Creek. Um, Another really good photo stop very close by is a place called Monkey Creek, which is nestled within the Hollyford Valley, just on the side of the highway to Milford Sound. Um, And the setting is beautiful. Snow-quilted peaks, hanging valleys. And Monkey Creek itself is this glacier-fed spring just off the road, and it's the best place to fill up your water bottle. So slap on some more sandfly repellent and grab your water bottle, fill it up. You'll get the purest glacier-fed water out of Monkey Creek. And just one more stop before you get to the Homer Tunnel. Follow the signposts to Gertrude Saddle Track. To actually do the whole track is a half-day trek. You don't want to do that necessarily, But what is interesting about some of these really big tricks is that they often start in a very easygoing fashion. So the terrain is, you know, just really easy to have a quick stroll on and they will provide a great taster of those tricks. The setting at the entrance point to Gertrude Saddle is just absolutely beautiful. Um, And I actually found myself marvelling over the Mount Cook lily, which grows there, which is actually the world's largest buttercup. So they're in full bloom now through until probably about January. And you've got these glacier cloud mountains towering down from above as you 
uh, size up the lilies. It's really, really cool. Now, you were talking about this tunnel, mm. Homer Tunnel. Um, you said it's a bit spooky. I have always found it very spooky, Chris. I love a good tunnel. Um, I think it's because it's so long, so narrow, and so dark. You know, you sort of think, is Chitty Chitty Bang what Bang going to come it's out a of tunnel? this? Well, it's not particularly well lit. Like you mentioned Littleton. When you drive through the Littleton Road Tunnel or, you know, uh, the Terrace Tunnel in Wellington, there's lots of lighting. It's quite. It feels like you're outside. Yeah, exactly. So it's very dingy in the Homer Tunnel. And you've also got water gushing down its bare granite walls. But you like a gushing. I do like my gushing waterfalls. Yes, I do. But inside a tunnel, you think, hmm. It's just going to collapse. Or drown me. Yeah. Yes, one or no. the other. It's all part of the whole sensory intensity of this tunnel. It's fabulous. <laughs> it's a nice save. Nice save. The good thing is it's recently been resealed because when I last went to the Homer Tunnel about four or five years ago, the actual surface of the road was like being on a four-wheel drive track. It was just so bumpy. So they've given it a, a nice reseal. Uh, so you've got a very smooth ride through the tunnel. And then when you alight from the tunnel, boom, welcome to Milford Sound. The most amazing mountains sort of rise up all around you, guarding Milford Sound, including Fiordland's tallest mountain, Tutoko. And then you've got all of those stirring vertical granite rock faces, which the road has been sort of carved out of, uh, taking you down to Milford Sound. Mike, there are look, a variety of operators at Milford Sound uh, with all these sightseeing cruises. Where on earth do you start? What do you recommend? Well, it's a really good question, Chris, because you have so many options uh, if you want to head out on the water, which obviously 99.9% of people do when they go to Milford Sound. I would highly recommend going out with a locally owned husband and wife operated um, cruise, which is called Cruise Milford. Um, and what sets them apart is the fact they don't pack you into their vessel like sardines. And I was really intrigued by this. They've got a capacity on their boat for 150 guests, right? But they deliberately stop selling it at 75. So you've got double the space that the boat is set up for. Now, that's nice because that means you're not jostling for photos. Like exactly. I've been on some tours. Yeah. And sometimes they're just not comfortable because you're having to fight and yeah. it's crowded. and So that's nice to hear. It is a really nice touch. Yeah. So you've got so much space on board. They're beautiful boutique vessel, uh, really comfy couches, large picture windows, wraparound decks, which, of course, is where you'll head outside um, to get the waterfall photos and so forth. The, uh, the onboard commentary is really informal, really well-humoured, very illuminating. And because it's a smaller boat, the intimate viewing of the wildlife um, and the geological features in Milford Sound is just exceptional. How was the weather when you went? Because it can always be touch and go. Yeah, well, I think they say 200 days out of the 365 in the year, it's raining uh, in Fiordland, 200 days of the year. I was so lucky. I think it was, I think in November was the first time I'd been to Milford Sound and actually saw Mitre Peak without any clouds. So it was just the most perfect blue sky, bright sunshine day. Um, Just lucky. And 
it really did make a difference, I have to say, because everything, all the colours were popping in Milford Sound. Mitre Peak. Oh, I just love that mountain and the way that it just struts skyward uh, with so much triangular self-importance. Very, yes, very, it's very New Zealand, isn't it? It is. And I say that because it's probably on every tourist brochure internationally, yeah. right? It is such a poster. But interesting you yeah. say, 200 days. Mm. Rain. It's a hell of a lot of rain, isn't it? Yeah. Um, by the way, if you have ever wondered, Mitre Peak is the second highest peak in the world to rise from sea level. And the only mountain that trumps it is Mauna Kea, which is the big volcano on Hawaii's Big Island. So in terms of a a mountain rising from the sea, from sea level, Mm. Mitre Peak is the second highest in the world, which is pretty cool. Didn't know that. Uh, But yeah, once again, so many waterfalls gushing away in Milford Sound. Gushing. the, The upside to the rain, Chris, obviously, is that let's suppose you do go out on to the water on a rainy day. If it has been raining, the waterfalls are absolutely cranking. So it's like, you know, someone's turned it on to turbo jet um, in terms of the water flow. Uh, so there are upsides to bad weather. Um, over the early summer, December, January particularly, in Milford Sound, the southern rata are flowering. So you've got all those lovely crimson colours uh, through the forest as well. Um, are the highlights? Well, I would say Sinbad Valley, which is... Right next to Mitre Peak, it sort of heads inland from Mitre Peak. And I really love this valley for its legacy related to the kakapo, which, of course, in November was crowned New Zealand's Bird of the Year, 2020. Now, the Sinbad Valley was the last place on mainland New Zealand that the kakapo was found back in the 1970s. And prior to that, it was thought to have become extinct. So Sinbad Valley very much was sort of like the rebirth of the Kakapo. I also was really intrigued by a place called Anita Bay, which is very uh, far out of Milford Sound, very, very close to the Tasman Sea. And the February floods, uh, which uh, were triggered by all of that rain earlier this year, brought down a huge amount of rock from the hills of Anita Bay. And not only did they bring down rock, but Jade, Punamu. Wow. So all along the shoreline, you can see it just, you know, gleaming in the sunshine, all of this wow. Punamu. And um, the locals said to me that when it comes to Naitahu and the rules over, you know, who can go fossicking for yeah. Punamu, in Fiordland, apparently the rule is if the rock, is if the Punamu is below the waterline, the public can take it. If it's above the waterline on the shoreline, it's Naitahu property. So that's something you may want to bear in mind if you want to do some fossicking. Stirling Falls, I think, is the absolute runaway highlight of Milford Sound. Um, Traditionally, the sightseeing boats will point or poke their nose into the base of the falls um, as uh, the water hurtles down. Afternoon Um, shower. Yes, exactly. Uh, Once back on land, there's a very short walk up to the lookout point uh, at Milford Sound, which will deliver you one last majestic Instagram opportunity. But, yeah, it really is a special place. Um, Probably my favourite place in New Zealand. Really? 
I don't think I've ever heard you say that before. No, and I maybe it was because it was a bluebird day with the sunshine, but I just thought this really is God's own, this place. Milford Sound, yeah, just beautiful. You're a big advocate of basing yourself in Tiano. Absolutely. Don't even dream of speed dating for Yordland from Queenstown. Uh, Tiano is absolutely the best, play, uh, best base because from there you can do so much at a more leisurely pace than trying to get to Milford Sound from Queenstown uh, and home in the one day. It's just so tiring. So base yourself in Tiano. You can take that fabulous day trip to Milford Sound. You could take a day trip to Doubtful Sound and the Manapuri Power Station. Another really popular option over summer is the overnight cruise that also takes you to Dusky Sound after Doubtful. Um, and I love Tiano because, I mean, it is a tourist town, but it's never overcrowded. Um, and it's got a really perky spirit, fabulous eats. Um, the, the place I would definitely recommend you dine at is Redcliffe Cafe, uh, which is like a historic cottage, and then they've added like a beer garden and so forth to it. Local produce dominates the menu, don't skip the hair croquettes. They are absolutely delicious. Okay. Uh, finally, um, accommodation. What's accommodation like in these sort of small towns? Yes, well, I would definitely recommend you go lakefront. So you've got that beautiful view over massive Lake Tiano, which is our second biggest lake in New Zealand. The lakefront lodge in Tiano is really good. David and Diane Walsh are the hosts, wonderful outgoing people. They'll uh, make sure your stay is a special one. Their studio units are just so well appointed. And the garden outside is just the most extraordinary showcase of Botanica. Diane just spends hours and hours and hours per day in this country cottage garden, which blazes the exterior of the lodge. It's a really divine holiday roost. Coming up, Mike talks to Mark Wallace from the Fjordland Outdoor Company, and we take a ride with Fjordland Jet. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Discover incredible Fjordland, proudly home to Milford Sound, Doubtful Sound, and three New Zealand Great Walks, world-beating trails, beautiful lakeside towns and incredible native species are just the beginning. Make tracks to Fjordland. For further trip inspiration, head to fjordland.org.nz. You're with Kiwi Tripsters, I'm Mike Yardley. If you want to explore Fjordland with a friend, reach out to Fjordland Outdoors Company, who will ensure you are in great hands as you discover the real, authentic Fjordland. Owned and operated by Mark and Christine Wallace, it's a pleasure to be joined by Mark Wallace from Fjordland Outdoors Company. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good. Good evening, Mike. Tell us um, a bit of background about um, Fjordland Outdoors Company. How long have you guys been sharing your wonderful part of the world with the world? Um, we started in 2012, so eight years ago. And, um, yeah, we started pretty small. We just wanted to do guided fishing, really. And uh, we started on the Waiau River um, on the doorstep of Tianio, just doing um, basic jet boat trout fishing trips. Um, down the river. 
fishing's obviously still, you know, a, a key part of your your repertoire as such, but your services are very wide-ranging. Give us an insight into that. Yeah, so we started with with fishing and we wanted to do spin fishing for families and kids and, and sort of beginners and right up to fly fishing. Uh, from there, um, people wanted bigger experiences, so we started venturing further afield into Fiordland and then the non-fishing partners or kids would come along and then you would be trying to entertain them as well. So then you realise that there was actually a bit of a gap for um, hosting people, just showing them around Fiordland. So you're still going to the same place as you're catching fish, but you were, you know, a nature guide and, um, yeah, a bit of a foodie sometimes that people want nice food. So, uh, yeah, yeah doing a bit of everything really so then we we sort of branched down into the private experiences fantastic and you will do uh transportation for people as well to get to tracks and so forth absolutely so um after the the fishing we um bought a water taxi business in Tianao and uh we service the Kepler track uh take hikers to the Milford track and then um fishermen and hunters around the lake and then from there, you also get people on these big missions in Fiordland. Um, you know, they walk up one valley and across the tops and then pack raft down another one. And, yeah, people just going on these huge adventures. And, yeah, we, we kind of get them there. That is wonderful. I had the pleasure of experiencing one of your uh, carefully crafted journeys, Hidden Hankinson. This is seriously off the beaten track for Fiordland, isn't it, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Hankinson's a, a special little place. Um, it's hard to explain. It's uh, it's just, as you say, off the beaten track. So you, you start your journey, Tiania Downs, heading up the middle arm of, of Lake Tiania. Um, you park your boat up and then you've got that short walk, about 10 to 15 minutes to get to Lake Hankinson. Mm. Um, and there we've got a... Um, another boat that we use to get to the Hankinson hut, which is basically the start of the Georgetown track. And once you're there, the phone won't ring. Um, you you are in the middle of Fiordland, and it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Before we reached the hut, I had never heard of the George Sound track until I went out uh, on that fabulous day with you. Um, to do that actual track would be for the Intrepid, right? It's pretty advanced stuff. Yep, absolutely. So um, the Georgetown track, it's it's not like your great walk, so the trails aren't groomed. Um, Doc do go through there and check the track every year and do track maintenance and tidy it up, but it's you're following triangles, and it's, as they say, it's a marked route rather than a track. Yeah. Well, I was very happy just to do the lovely little bush walk to reach uh, <laughs> boat number two, which... You have ingeniously devised, I won't um, spill the secrets on what people can expect, but it is truly Kiwi ingenuity at its best. And then uh, crossing Lake Hankinson, that place is uh, full of fish, right? Yeah, so the, the lake has loads and loads of fish in it. Um, yeah, average probably three to four pound. And yeah, nice fish. Are, are there eels in Lake Hankinson, by the way? <laughs> there is. Yeah, you wouldn't catch me swimming there. Yeah, and, uh, I was intrigued you said that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, um, um, pretty friendly. 
<laughs> Very assertive. How difficult was it to put this experience together, Mark, given you are having to cross several bodies of waterway uh, strung together with a few bushwalks and so forth? Um, yeah, there was a bit of a logistical, logistical nightmare, but um, because we, we personally love the place so much we you know we wanted to take people there and um we were kind of moving on from the early days when there was beaten up old dinghies that you would be bailing as fast as you're rowing to get up the lake so they no longer were any um use or up to standard for survey so we um we got a purpose-built boat up to survey standard and uh, we had to fly that into lake hankinson so uh, it was a, a bit of a juggling act, but, um, yeah, we got it there. Yeah. And, of course, uh, the cherry on top, uh, the, the climax of this great experience is to see Hankinson's hut beautifully set on the edge of that absolutely glorious Wapiti River, which is, you know, just movie set perfection. That is such an amazing location. Um, Hankinson's hut is the oldest hut in Fiordland National Park, right? Yep, that's right. So uh, 1923 it was built. So, that yeah, that makes it the oldest um, still standing hut in the park. Um, it was getting a bit tired, a bit run down, and uh, we had a chat with Department of Conservation about restoring it. But um, it's part of – it's in the Wapiti area, which is um, an area that the Fiordland Wapiti Foundation um, – kind of look after and they already had a an agreement in place about maintaining the hut so it was on the radar to to upgrade it so it's it's recently been through quite an upgrade um new floor new piles uh, but they have tried to keep as as uh, as original as possible and uh, still keep that um that bit of history there absolutely and it was wonderful on the day that uh, Mark took me uh, out to, to uh, Hankinson's hut. Um, we had some hunters who were just arriving back to the hut, uh, including a father and his very young son. Uh, they were from Auckland, very much wanting to get away from it all, which is what is Fiordland's great calling card, I suspect. But um, it is a real slice of backcountry um, New Zealand, isn't it, Mark? It is, um, and it is, it's just that little bit harder to get to that, you know, when you get there, the only people you see there are adventurers and it's great, as you're saying, meeting up with um, people and talking about their adventure that they've just either starting or completing. Um, I was in there recently with my son and a mate and doing a bit of R&R and fishing, hunting, and uh, we came across some kayakers who had kayaked all the way across Lake Tianau, kayaked across Hankinson Hut, and then walked all the way up to Thompson Hut all in one day. And hearing their adventure, it was totally different to ours. But uh, yeah, they they they'd done done the hard yards to get there. Absolutely. I must mention, by the way, the views of the mountains are absolutely spectacular. You see the Stuart Mountains, and of course, as you head out from Tiano Downs, uh, a really intimate uh, panoramic view of the Murchison Mountains, which I absolutely adore. They're revered, obviously, Mark, in your neck of the woods because of um, their connection with the Takahi. And I was astounded at what you said to me about um, 
the trapping, the stoke traps that are laid there, thousands of them uh, to protect the Takahi. I think we're what, over 4,000 at last count have been yeah, laid. Yeah, I think it's about 4,000 um, the last count. So I think a few years ago it was sitting about 2,000 and then there was some funding went in um, place to cut some more tracks and add more traps. So, uh, yeah, these guys cover that whole mountain range, um, walking in and out of one valley and into another and getting picked up on the shore of the lake by another boat. Um, a lot of them are getting dropped in by Halley and then and then making their way out. But, yeah, it's a massive job. But, um, yeah, everything to protect the Takahe. Yes. Well, it's a stupendous day experience uh, hidden Hankinson with Fiordland Outdoors Company. I know that you offer small group tours, so the maximum is six people, wasn't it, on a That's tour? That's correct. Yep. The Hankinson, yes. Make sure you pack your sandfly repellent. Um, and uh, if you want to find out more about Mark's amazing experiences, whether it's transportation you're after, a bit of fishing, a bit of jet boating, or uh, do one of these amazing experiences like the day to Hidden uh, Hankinson, uh, just go to the website fjordlandoutdoors.co.nz. I wish you a bumper summer, Mark. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, the Kiwis... Um, it definitely got Fjordland on the radar by all accounts and um, I think uh, they're ready to explore and Tourism New Zealand's campaign, Do Something New. So um, it'll be great to see people down here and having a go at some of the uh, the small company experiences and getting off the beaten track, so to speak. Well, you certainly can't beat your experiences. Thank you very much for joining us, Mark. Excellent. Great, uh, great seeing you again, Mike. It was great stuff with Mark Wallace. Now, tell us about the ride with Fjordland Jet, Mike. This sounds pretty cool. You would love it, Chris. You've got to go and do it this summer. It's another great frolic uh, with Fjordland. The Fjordland Jet, the Pure Wilderness Tour, is probably the one to go for. It's a two-hour romp on the water and in the bush. It begins from Lake Tiano, and you will soak up the splendour of the Waio River, which essentially connects Tiano with Manapuri. And the river is this beautiful, free-flowing, trout-filled river, thickly robed by beach forest, swing bridges, cross it, and our jet boat driver, Lex, uh, just delivered the most brilliant commentary, lots of insider stories about some of the local heroes and legends who have lived in this part of Fjordland over the decades. Um, he had such a great commanding knowledge. Nice. Now, obviously, we've got to talk about the scenery, right? Well, absolutely. And I suppose Fjordland was destined for Hollywood. So once again, uh, a bit like the Milford Sound and that Eglinton Valley we talked about earlier, uh, the Waio River has uh, got those cinematic good looks and a multitude of filming locations on the Waio River featured in The Lord of the Rings, uh, including the opening shots um, of Middle-earth, the Waio River uh, takes centre stage. So you'll love the river. You'll then dabble in Lake Manapuri, which is such a serene lake. Uh, and what was really cool about this jet boat ride, Chris, is we also did a taster of the Kepler Trek um, with a short stroll through the forest. And after some decent rainfall, 
there were just the most magnificent, thick carpets of moss and lichens clambering up the trunks and the limbs of the forest giants. And I just love how Fjordland's forests have that fairy tale feel about them because all of that moss and lichen just glows, you know, with that real vivid green hue. Um, Very atmospheric. What did you do after the jet boat tour? Well, you can get the shuttle back to Tiano or if you are feeling extra active, you can then grab a mountain bike and ride back to Tiano on the newly formed Lake to Lake cycle trail. There are a couple of hills at the Manapuri end, um, so you may want to order up an e-bike, um, but once those hills are out of the way, the trail then just snakes around the Waio River's edge, uh, so you'll get a really good perspective of the Lake Tiano control gates uh, before following the lakefront all the way back to town. But whether you're on bike or by foot, uh, do not miss the Tiano Bird Sanctuary on the lakefront. I think this is probably Tiano's finest feature. It's open from dawn until dusk, entry by gold coin donation, and you can see Takahi uh, in the enclosure, the show-stopping Takahi, which I think is a pretty unique New Zealand attraction to have yeah. these fabulous birds on the lakefront of the town. That's yeah, so that's, cool. That is pretty nice. Now, the sheer size of Fiordland National Park is, well, it's gobsmacking, isn't it? I, I didn't realise how big it was. It is monumental. You can fit Yosemite and Yellowstone National Parks within the borders of Fiordland National Park. It's that whopping in size. And a great way to get a feel for its immensity is to go to the Fjordlands uh, Cinema, which is this beautiful little boutique theatre, and they screen multiple times a day the acclaimed short film Ata Whenua Shadowland. And this absolutely showcases Fjordlands World Heritage Listed Wilderness. It's really evocative, gobstopping scenery. It's a 32-minute film. Most of it was shot from um, helicopters across all seasons, uh, but it really puts into focus the terrain and the climate and just the the wild, primal nature of Fiordland. Um, Cinematic majesty at its best, I would have to say, and it's got a really nice soulful narration uh, by Sir Tippany Oregon. And then in the Black Dog Bar um, within the cinema, that's a great little nook for a celebratory drink in the heart of Tiano. Nice. You mentioned, by the way, the Great Walks earlier. Yeah. Got a bit of a sample of the Great Walks, a bit of a taster we can do so we don't have to be, you know, not doing athletic exhaustion exhaustion. around the clock. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question because there is a fantastic company based in Tiano called Tramps and Trips. And they, they do exactly that. They give you the opportunity to savour the flavour of Fjordland's Great Walks without slugging it hard for days on end. Or if you're time poor, for example, it's a great way to just take in a wee sampler. So one option, for example, is they offer three Great Walks in three days. So you'll do like a, you know, a day excursion to the Kepler, to the Milford and the Rootburn. Uh, they do it in small group numbers. You get an experienced nature guide, and it's just a really easy, accessible way to sample the wonderland that is Fiordland. Now, this is going to be a tough question for you, Mr. Yardley. Yes. What do you think sets Fiordland apart 
from other places you've been? The Call of the Wild. I think there is a reason for Yordland is infested with sand flies. And I think even some Maori used to say that they believed the reason there were sand flies in Fjordland was it was God's way of ensuring Fjordland never became overpopulated, that not too many humans set up shop there. And I really like that as a rationale for the sand fly because it is such a wild, untouched place. Mm. I think it is the wilderness, that awe-inspiring, mesmerising uh, wilderness just mountains, rock, ice, lakes, forests, all colliding with brute force and beauty. I, To me, Chris, it is a kingdom of awe. Nicely said. I would agree with you. Thank you. And thank you for listening to our program. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page. And our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. You can read our Fjordland articles at fortheloveoftravel.net. We'd love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast service of your choice, and we'll catch you again in a couple of weeks for a fresh episode. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.